2019 of Don't Mess With the Metro. Joined here today by the usual gang, Andy, Dan, nice to see you all. And incredible, we have games that some of us just got to see over the past week. It is good to be back. Oh, yes, it is. It feels fantastic, honestly, to not be watching D-League hockey in my spare time because I get to the rink like two and a half hours early and actually seeing some quality competition. So, you know, in case you guys don't know, D-League All-Star. Two and a half hours early before what? Before uh, one of my games. Your games, fair. I guess how many are you watching then? Like two before yours? Uh, Yeah, roughly two. You know, got to see what like the Mighty Mingos are putting out there and... uh, you know, some of these other crazy teams. I have not put on, suited up the laces for a little bit over, I guess, a couple, two and a half years now. I need to, I guess you could say I really need to get back at it, but I just hit a free have, skate. Out of priorities. I actually do have my skates with me right now, except the Gutterson ice is obviously taken out yeah, for, right, it's for be the right reasons. Right <laughs> yeah. But there, you'd imagine there are plenty of other rinks nearby. So. Yeah, I mean, if if not, then they're probably like blaming Lebanon County for some shit, or Tom Wolf is blaming Lebanon County. Oh, yeah. somewhere out there, he's gonna put the blame on us. This is fine. Back to the red status we go. <laughs> Did he really put you guys back in red for no reason? No, I'm just waiting for it though. <laughs> like mm-hmm. Philly is basically back in yellow status because they are like a re-influx of cases. And naturally, that's like as much as people are saying that the Marlins probably got it from being in Miami. They were playing in Philly a couple of games, and now Philly has tested positive, some of their, uh, one of their uh, coaches. So I think we know where it's really stemming from there, Wolfie. Do we really need the Marlins in baseball, though? Can we, like, call up the alternate site team from, like, Omaha, Nebraska, or wherever they're playing? Hey, no, those are two and one Marlins to you. I don't know. We should, uh, maybe it's, maybe if the Phillies go out, we should just replace them with, uh, LBC's baseball team. Why not? I mean, they're probably the best baseball team in Pennsylvania. Well, considering the competition is, all right, you're not wrong, but I'm just saying. <laughs> what about the Marlins? Well, yeah, but also like the competition really, the Phillies and the Pirates, then yeah, you really are not wrong. Mm-hmm. Never, never, ever. You could also argue LBC is the best football team in Pennsylvania because just think about it. In our right minds, they were really going to get Saquon Barkley. Isn't that right? Yeah, if uh, if it weren't for some very strong-armed legislation to prevent them from doing so, LBC very well could have jumped from Division Three to Division Two. Then... Couple that with a couple of really successful years in Division Two, suddenly LVC finds itself in Division One FCS in uh, the beginning of the 2000s, and then after another decade of dominance, we would have had a possible LVC jumping to the FBS, uh, a la um, the App State move up. I was just and... gonna say you almost forgot to mention that they upset the uh, the scum up north. I mean, I didn't really ask for that, but thanks. Even though FSA had nothing to do, we are strictly talking about our loyal LVC team here. Well, I mean, the loyal LVC team would have to upset one team. You need to upset one team. If you're going to upset one team, it's going to be Michigan. You know that they're going to find a way to get upset. 
You see, there's another really team that could very well be upset, though. They could easily upset their na- their na- their neighbors west along 322. I mean, talk I to me when you guys make an Ohio State game, like, competitive, and then maybe uh, maybe they won't be upset. Maybe they'll actually be win a college football playoff game, and same for us. Maybe if you beat yeah. it, maybe if you beat us to that title first, then perhaps. You got to make it in to win one, though. Moral of the story oh, we're still is, both at zero, so there's that. All I'm saying is 2015, we could have very well had Saquon Barkley become a freshman at the same time that I was a senior in college. And since I was taking freshman-level classes just to get my gen eds my senior year, I would have very well been able to be his tutor. Next thing you know, we would have been friends because we're both from New York. And suddenly, boom, I'm now managing his finances while he's making millions and we're living up the life in uh, the city. Mm. And that all stemmed from legislation blocking LVC from jumping to Division Two. Yep. This Some all started people, there. People in Pennsylvania, they're just crazy. It's yeah. incredible that they got it's incredible that they got the nod to kick off the very first exhibition game of this restart. The first hockey game, well, I guess not really official, but First one in our hearts, officially, over the course of the past four and a half months. The Penguins of the Flyers is their warm-up exhibition game before jumping into round robin and the qualifying round. So incredible that even I was excited to watch this game. It's amazing what everything that's transpired will do to you. But, yep, as aforementioned, but as I might not have aforementioned, the Flyers edged the Penguins three to two in overtime. Penguins scored first in the early first period, and Flyers got a couple more in the later in that period. Second period was very inactive, and then Penguins outshot the Flyers twelve to three in the third, and as well as getting a game tying goal in that in that time frame. And then come overtime, the Flyers took it off of a beautiful goal by Scott Lachlan and a terrific pass from Travis Konechny. And man. Feels incredible to feels incredible to talk about hockey again. Most definitely, it kind of does. Uh, one thing I kind of want to bring up regarding it is I think people are starting to overreact to seeing teams play, and teams are people are overreacting to seeing lines. They're overreacting to seeing um, just pretty much anything. It's you the first remember, game in four and a half months. Yeah, <laughs> it's not only the first game in four and a half months. Sometimes coaches are trying to say, you know what? These guys are starting to play together in practice. Why don't we just try to mix it up a little bit and see who's playing well? Because in the playoffs, especially if you're in the qualifying round, you got five games. You cannot afford to lose one and just say, oh, you know what? The goalie got it out of his system. This is not a seven-game series. This is totally different. That's why you have the exhibition games. <laughs> exactly. So seeing people overreact to it. These, pl- these guys are skating at, what, 60%, 70%, even though it looks like they're going 100%. They're saving themselves. They're they're just trying to get the feelers out. They're trying to get their, essentially, legs back under them because they've been playing against themselves. They know each other's tendencies. It's good to get those legs going again with a different kind of opponent, I guess, if that kind of makes sense. But as long as people understand that these guys are just out there to essentially have fun, work on some things. This is their time to experiment. This is the time for coaches to experiment. This is time for players to, to work with each other in different groups. Who's to say that, again, I'm going to go with the Rangers here, that a guy like Bren Lemieux couldn't play on the first line a little bit with Kreider and um, 
Zibanejad. Why else did the goalies play like half the game or two thirds of the game? Yeah, just get <laughs> because, guys hot, let them yeah. see shots. And ironically, um, I'm pretty sure Andy's probably going to touch upon it, mentioning that Hank saw as many shots in how many minutes was it? Nine. That it was, um, I think, ten minutes and like twenty seconds or ten minutes thirty seconds. That uh, it it was like right at the end of the second uh, period, he had seen as many shots in those little ten minutes as um, Chesty did the first period and like halfway through the second period. So really, in th- in one third of the time that Shostorkin played, Hank had already seen all the same shots. Like, yeah. Needless to say, the defense is right back in in where they left off. I, I got to say though. The Islanders looked a lot faster in that game. I got to give the Islanders props. It looks like that team is rejuvenated. They took the break. The break came for them at the perfect timing. Oh, yeah, they, considering that they hadn't won a game since uh, before the trade deadline. This is their was, first win, and it really doesn't really count. But still, it was their first win since, uh, like, mid to late February. What were they, 0-7-2 or 0-5-2 in seven games? I can't remember what it was. I'm pretty sure there was a seven in there somewhere. But yeah. either way, only getting two points. That team was on the verge of missing the playoffs. So they got brand yeah. new life. Yeah, because they were a top three team in the uh, division suddenly. And really, like, at one point, they were the fifth best in um, the league, I, I think. And they really fell apart. Like, yeah, that, that stopped them, basically stopped the bleeding at the right time for them. I mean, it's the opposite can be said for the Flyers, obviously. They were, like, red hot going into it. And then suddenly they have... Like been ice cold, but then also the same thing. I think the Caps were struggling at some point, and the Penguins were struggling. And yeah, no, the Penguins definitely were like really saved by this, but the Caps, I don't know if they were struggling enough. Oh, we were. Oh, we were. You saw that. You saw that last game, the Thursday before everything went down. Well, Ian, like a non-biased opinion, and then a biased opinion shortly after. What was your viewpoint of? what the break did for that team. Because I don't know if it's just me, but Ovi looked like he looked like three, four years younger all of a sudden. He looked like he had a little more pep in his step. I don't know what it was. Maybe it's just because, again, just kind of how... I think it was still a bit of the same. And you talk about pep, you talk about pep in the game and having things be bad timings. I mean, yeah. If, you're the Fly- if I was the Flyers fan, I'd be pretty ticked off about this one. And like and like I said earlier, with my stats on, like I said earlier, with my stats on fate on sort of fading afterwards, I was a uh, tweeting along with one of my mutuals on how class classical Elaine Vignon gets the lead and then just sits on his heels for all the third. And as I and then as I saw that saw that tweet, the shot counter for the third popped up, like I said already, 12 to three. And she's like, oof. And yeah, I, and I know we like to mention AB a lot, and a lot of it is a, a bit of slander, but it really goes to really goes to show you how much. Yeah, totally. If I were the Flyers, I'd be pretty ticked off. But obviously, you have to accept the things as they are right now. And personally, if I was Philadelphia, I thought they looked all right in their game. Second, I mean, not really much happened in the second period. They just simply got a couple good hot goals late in the first and then took the third period off and then woke up for overtime. One thing I got to ask you, Ian, too. Um, 
I guess in terms of like with the caps themselves, we, we've been talking about goalies too quite a bit, especially over the past couple of episodes. With what you guys have, can you, as a fan, biased opinion, obviously, or unbiased, you choose, state whatever one you want, can you trust Samsonov to be able to come in and be inserted into playoff hockey? Or do you think about riding with Holtby? Again, it's there's no right or wrong answer. I just want to know from a Cavs fan's perspective, because obviously it's different from a Rangers fan and seeing how the Islanders are uh, with their goalie situation. I mean, the Metro's stacked with them. We've talked about that. What's your... Like, Samsonov, uh, Samsonov is not in the bubble, unfortunately. I, why is he not in the bubble? I thought undisclosed he was... injury, but it was it was injury, so it's it's, so not, is he... it's not COVID related, but it's just a physical so, injury. So so he'll be back in the bubble then, because I'm pretty sure I he was... don't. I mean, he traveled over to America, but he didn't travel with the team, so I don't know how this is going to work if he comes back ever at all or whatnot. So right now we've got Phoenix Copley and Van. Uh, and Vanitek in the as our second yeah. goalies. So if I pronounce that correctly, <laughs> can't pronounce your own, can't pronounce your own minor league goalies correctly. Such a on your own team, such a shame, you know. Hey, I'm, I'm washed. I'm washed. Four and a half yeah, months off. Washed. It's sick in the toll. We lost our knowledge. Off, you know. <laughs> but I guess well with with our goalies. I mean, I would obviously have more faith in Samsonov than sort of the other two backups that we have now. But I guess I think that's if pretty I, look, I guess if I look at the picture, if I look at the picture now, it really depends on how things cover up the rest of the way. I'm trying to find a trying to find a recap and a detailed stat report. I'm not sure if it's not giving me it or whatnot. In the meantime, Andy, quick question for you, because I, I know you know how I feel about Matt Murray and all that. Are the Pens going to be able to re, like repeat? Like, is Matt Murray going to pull anything out of his ass in this one? I mean, obviously you're the PA expert here, but well, obviously I honestly, think no. But. Honestly, it's, it's kind of hard to judge them just off the fact that, like, on paper they look really stacked because, you know, naturally they got Gensel back. They're rolling with um, – their team that they wanted to assemble from the get-go when they wanted to trade Kessel out for Zucker um, in uh, Minnesota. But, yeah, they wanted to do this, like, for a while. They finally have all the pieces together. But as we all saw right before the break, they were cold. They had, The wheels had fallen off them completely, and they were heading in free fall. Thankfully, like, that, this break could not stop them or could not come to, for them at a better time. And now that they're, like, well-rested, Gensel's healthy – they look like on paper they could go run the table. And honestly, their first opponent is um, Montreal. Exactly. Like, Carey Price in his game against Toronto looked brutal. Yeah. No. <laughs> he plays like that, Pens in three. Yeah, exactly. Like, Pens in two and a half at that point. Like, it, well, it does not look like they're going to pull a... Uh, well, no, the joke, well, no, the joke would be Pens in two, technically, if we said Lightning in three last year. Yeah, uh, back, back to, uh, yeah, sorry to interrupt you, but back to my points on our goalies. I actually thought Vanacek actually looked pretty good. The only goal he gave up was on a five-on-three power play, and I don't know their I don't know, Carolina shot totals in the third. I mean, they had, they had 20, uh, 14, 14, 14 shots on goal. only goal he gave up was on a power play. I mean, granted, yes, this is an exhibition, but 
I mean, the team as a whole looked pretty good, but Vanacek did stand his ground for sort of being thrown into this. Like, I would imagine he did not envision having playing in one of these exhibition games. And yeah, considering he well played that Vanacek. game, he would probably be the number two goalie on our roster as we speak. Yeah, Hershey legend, Vitek Vanacek. Always. Yeah, Go Bears. But yeah, no, it, um, honestly, I could see like the Penguins running easily going for a deep run if Murray gets like plays like he did in 2016 17 now that he had a break. Because when he's playing full seasons, he's definitely not the same way that he was when he was splitting time with uh, Flurry. But it really also depends on the defense in front of him. If they let up a lot, if like they let up a lot of shots and get under his skin, then he's going to feel it. And also, he there is the fact that fans did not like they were rooting for Jari to start over Murray. Yeah. So uh, that quite could definitely play timeline. Exactly. And so really, it'd be hysterical that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it'd be it, uh, which uh, I think you're hinting at. It would be hysterical to see he winds up being exposed, picked up by Seattle, and the uh, timeline continues. Mm. Time is a circle. Well, well. And I feel now if I can jump to a few conclusions here, I don't know if I would necessarily compare Matt Murray to Marc Andre Fleury in this case, but that is a fair depth look into. And you mentioned, and I guess yeah, you mentioned the goal. You mentioned the goalies. Their second, the Flyers' second goal. The second goal. I think that was Couturier, if I, if I remember my stats correctly. I was so ready to just slander him for giving up such a weak goal, and then I saw, it, oh, just simply took a bad bounce off their D-man and went in. And, man, go, and after mentions the point you made, how defense can play well in front of him because he's probably not going to stand on his head. The only players that are probably going to stand on their head is Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel and Evgeny Malkin. If you watch their... Watch their first goal that they had. They had a three-on-two rush. Crosby took one defenseman with him because he's Sidney Crosby, and Gensel was able to give it to Connor Sheary and get the first goal. Get the first goal in. But don't forget, Connor Sheary is is not a product of Sidney Crosby. He's quickly becoming an elite player in his own right and deserves a ton of respect. Never forget, Connor. If you're listening to this, I hope you enjoyed that. <laughs> first signed talent. We saw a lot of that in the Caps-Canes game the following day. Alex Ovechkin, as aforementioned, Dan, you said he looked four years younger. Personally, I thought he looked almost the same. As always, two goals, one assist. Well, flex harder on us that don't have an elite goal scorer. Hey, hey, you had... You've had, an elite, the you've, had an elite goal, you've had an elite goalie for the past 15 years. And even for a goalie elite, as elite as his level... He, Alex Russian skills the most goals he has scored on a, a particular goalie has been apparently yours. So compliment to both sides here. Punch those breaks there, Dan. Who has the most goals per game this season? I believe it is Mika Zibanejad. So we do have an elite goal scorer there. Okay, we the finally world. got our first elite goal scorer and our first elite playmaker since Yarmir Yager. All right. <laughs> yeah, only uh, six years late. Well, there six was to eight a- years late. There were that two those two years that Gabrick put up forty goal points. Also true. Then, also true. Mm-hmm. And a certain other person put up a forty goal. Don't season, you but... dare say that fucking name. <laughs> Don't you dare say that fucking name. That was the Pavel Butchnevich trade. <laughs> Do, Do it. it. You won't. You won't. 
really, if you think about it, that trade tree also gifted us um, Keandre Miller. And um, Ryan Strom. Ryan Strom. And as a result, it gifted Columbus um, Panarin, who wound up coming to us as a free agent. So really, it all, all roads wound up heading to the Garden. Yeah, we spent too much money on a bum who couldn't figure out how to score a goal when it counted most. Anyway, might I, you know, can I just bring something up a little bit, like, bias kind of opinion here? Please. Uh, Going back to a little bit of Rangers talk. Is there any one team that has a more versatile top six than the Rangers right now? And by versatile, I mean there are nine guys on that lineup who can play in the top six and succeed. Two? I feel like Vegas, I feel like, has enough pieces. Because you look at, like, their top line of um, – well, really was their top line when they made the cup run uh, two years ago. It was um, Riley Smith, William Carlson, and uh, Jonathan Marchessault. Now, that's like their second best line because they made the moves to get Stasny um, and uh, Mark Stone and Pacioretty. Like, they do, it feels like they have, like, whenever I see watch a couple of their games, all of a sudden I'm looking at people and I'm looking at some of their players like, huh, they really are driving pretty well there. Dan, were you like, talk, Dan, were you talking about specifically the Rangers' top six or comparing the Rangers' top six to the rest of the league? No, it was more of comparing how many teams have guys in their top nine who can play on consistently on a first or second line. Because the Rangers have nine guys who could do so. I mean, I mean, Caps top six is relative, has got quite a bit of talent. Yeah, you have to think of drops off a third drops line, off a tad at the third. Yeah, because yeah. right now, Philip Heedle's technically a third-line center. Philip Heedle could be a first-line winger. Last night, he looked, like, really sharp. Yeah. That was one thing. Between him, Kako was looking really good out there. I thought that, like, he actually had one of his better games, and he was just playing exhibition. I was like, huh, he looks really good for someone that was otherwise having a really rough year earlier on. No, I definitely agree. And did you see how much muscle he put on, too? It's like, holy shit. Yeah, he, yeah. he definitely grew a little bit in that uh, the last few months. Like, it, it basically gave – he's now playing at, like, the sophomore level where, you, like, you start to grow into your body. Like, he is starting to already grow into his. So, body starting to grow into, like, his play style, so to speak. And that's the one thing, like, Kako right now is playing, like, a top – six player again probably a first line player and that's what i was trying to say i can't think of many other teams especially in the metro alone that has guys even jesper Foss is technically a third liner right now who could play in the top six and just with the amount of versatility you have it gives you more flexibility especially as a head coach knowing hey some guy's having an off day i can insert this guy in and he'll play well how many other teams especially in the metro can do that and can the caps do that I don't think the Pens can really do that, especially if they take their third line center and put him on the first line. Or, yeah, like is he with without having superstar line mates? Could they succeed in, in a first line role? Though, 
Basically, or you're asking if players on our third line can succeed on our first line without a stacked roster. Yeah, without like, without like having to play with Panarin and Zibanejad on the Rangers, or having to play with Backstrom and Ovi for you guys. I mean, they probably would score. Right they would. I mean, they're third liners. They're traditional grinders, but they wouldn't exactly score a whole. They wouldn't exactly score a whole lot unless. Unless this is 2018 playoffs, Avante Smith Pelly you're talking about, but I don't know much where I would see out of it because if if as we aforementioned at the beginning of March before the pause, the Caps were tanking, like falling relatively falling apart. Oh, he was doing a majority of the goal scoring without him alone. If you know, aforementioned to your question you're talking about they probably would not succeed just because i really wasn't seeing it in recent memory before everything stopped our depth lines are also not exactly anywhere near the same as they were for on the stanley cup roster just because number one totally different totally different players and then two it's a i don't know, i want to say different mentality but you know it's one of those things where Every single little tiny piece came together. And then if you compare that to now, it's obviously a lot, it's obviously different. But who says it can't come together? <laughs> like, particularly, even, particularly, like, given, particularly given how the team looked yesterday, I think the whole team looked pretty solid throughout. It was, it was encouraging to see. Like, Mike, like, even think about the Islanders. The Islanders have prided their fourth line for how long? At least five, six years. Since the 2015, at least, yeah. ever since they started making the playoffs again. But on that fourth line, how many of those guys could really play top six minutes and succeed in top six roles? And looking at the Pens right now, if we were talking about the 2016 Pens with the HBK line, then yeah, they totally they could, absolutely. But, but now, I don't, I don't know if you can say that right now about that team. Columbus definitely. I thought, not. I thought, I, I thought I hated the Cook Stall Kennedy line. HBK, mm-hmm. like quadruple that. Oh, absolutely. But again, going to, going to Columbus too. Right now, I can't think of any of their guys that can f- succeed in top six roles consistently. I, I don't really have seen much of it now. Granted, the third liners, but yeah, I have not. Honestly, um, one that I would put, I would say uh, Toronto because they had. Uh, when I saw them yesterday, Kerfoot and uh, Kapanen playing on the third line. Okay, yeah, I can agree with that then. Yeah, they have they just have a whole like bunch of power, but they also kind of lack on the fourth line, and then their defense is also still a little bit uh, struggling, even with Muzzin. I don't know, it's not exactly. Yeah, then they put up a yeah, then they put up a lot of numbers, and then you wonder why they don't stick around because they ask for a lot of money, and they don't exactly have that. Can we talk also, about, though, while we're talking about the Leafs real quick, their first line of Tavares, Matthews, and Marner, that is just an all-star line. Like, that's a really line is. you expect to see in, like, a three-on-three all-star game where, like, one of those guys is like, yeah, I'll just play defense for the fuck of it. There's a reason why they're heavy favorites, or not heavy favorites, but why there's there's high expectations for them to at just at least get out of the qualifying round and into the conference quarterfinals. <laughs> But as we've discussed before with the Blue Jackets, they're one of the most underrated teams in the entire league. Exactly. They 
was it? They beat the Caps twice, and the other game they took us to overtime. Like they were just always in your face, very torts styled, and we've said this a million times, but they can they can surprise you, and they've been doing that all year. Plus, they have everyone like a whole bunch of their players coming back from injury. Like they basically hobbled into the uh, break, <laughs> and they had, like at the pause, they were disheveled like crazy. Now all of a sudden, they have players that might not even return by April or late April are now good to go. And yeah, they could definitely do some damage. And especially with Elvis and that, I mean, he's no uh, backup HL. Uh, what's it? Um, Zamboni driver, but yeah. <laughs> at the same time, he can hold his own in that. So, I mean, he just so happens to be probably the best rookie goaltender this year besides um, well, yeah, he, I would say definitely earned that right this year. I would totally agree. Maybe they'd be better off signing a Zamboni driver, but but this is probably this is probably exaggerating a lot because this is only based on one game, but a game like that kind of shows you that the least star power it's very hit or miss. Yeah. If it's missed, they're in deep trouble. Deep trouble. Columbus will easily swoop in and take that series. If Elvis is, like, standing on his head. Or not even standing on his head, just simply playing his game, and the rest of the team is playing his game. There's a reason. I think there's a, there's a reason why, even though this is an 8 versus 9, that there's so many different predictions you're seeing out there for this series. Yeah, I can definitely see that series going five just off the fact that it's like, I mean, on the one hand, you have the depth that really took Columbus far when they were all injured, disheveled. And then on the other hand, you have the star power that Toronto is like assembled. And it really is a conversation of like, will star power, will having like a bunch of stars be able to take you deep or will depth be able to bring you, will be like the deciding factor, so to speak. Star power certainly does bring you deep. I mean, after all, everybody knows that the Caps have the best goal scorer in the league, but we apparently were wrong about this all this time. Tuesday night, as everything was going down in Hotel X, David Pasternak took out his phone and tweeted, quote, In my opinion, I believe Tom Wilson is the best goal scorer in the league. Tom Wilson quoted that back, saying, quote, Appreciate pasta, but I think at OV8. What I would do to be a fly on the wall in that hotel. I just want to know either one, who slipped Ambien into pasta's drink? Or two, is pasta really okay? Or did like COVID hit him hard or whatever? Dude, because is that I have no phone. I have no idea, but that was, that's still something else. And again, to be a fly on the wall, that would be fantastic. I just, we've literally said this since day one. That's right there. In my opinion, that hotel is just guys being dudes. A hundred percent. Like, you're not worrying about a girl coming in and ruining, like, anything there. You don't have to worry about, Still like, a, a guy having to go with his girlfriend or anything. This is the time that you can bond as a team. Yeah. Like, just the guys not have to worry about it, and this stuff comes out. And this is the kind of content that we've been waiting for. We're not even at game one yet. Dude, showing off that personality, triggering all the Canadian media reporters, absolutely incredible. I think one of my favorite that I saw was um, 
Bo Horvat uh, tweeting, like uh, putting on Instagram a picture of him and a couple of the other um, Canucks players just randomly sitting around playing uh, Mario Kart 64. Like, just, I mean, doing their battle mode, like, that's just how I envision. I mean, that's how, like, when I was playing uh, sports as a kid, whenever I'd go over to, like, teammates' house, we'd just play video games all the time or, like, just have a fun time. That's basically how you bond as a team. Like, you don't just focus on, like, grinding out every day. You want to be able to have fun. And these guys are, you know, kids in their, like, 20s and, like, teens and 20s, some early 30s. They're still, like, at the age that, yeah, you want to have fun. You want to throw back a few and relax. The past couple times we've bust to from Burlington to Lehigh for the for the meet there. My teammate has brought his five DS old Nintendo DSs he has. Not sure how he's got that many, but he would always bring Mario Kart and we would do multiplayer on that. And that thing would instantly bring me back to like when I was nine years old or t- nine, ten years old. <laughs> Insane time trial times on certain courses. You're literally going as far as drifting at literally every single moment possible because you could still go on a straight line, just drift and get a constant speed burst throughout the game. Like, it started to become really stupid. And, yeah, as you said, five five of us would play in the back of the bus. It would be a fantastic team bonding moment, even if I was kicking their butts most of the time because I still got it from 10 years back. I highly doubt that you could even come in, like, fifth place against me, Andy, and a few others. Even the CPU, but, again, I digress. That? It, all right, okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, I see how it is. I see how it is. If we want to be like this, we'll, I'll, I'll write that down. I'll write that down. I respect it. All right. I'll see you guys on my uh, Switch uh, Mario Kart 8, and we'll go ahead and settle it from there. Too bad I don't have a Switch. Oh, just another excuse in the book. You're, oh, you're making more excuses right now for your Mario Kart game than Penn's fans make for Matt Murray and Net. <laughs> Doesn't mm-hmm. have a switch, can't take a shot. Come on, Ian, you're killing me here. Hey, 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 hey. I'm a little maintenance here. I Oh, he can take a shot. He just has to sip on it. Like he's you're right. Like a pinky up. Like he just two, needs uh, his redemption, he per has his se. finger and his ring finger on the glass, one pinky up, the uh, the other pointer finger's kind of slanted just a little bit, and he's, like, swirling it around the glass. Look at the way that this coats the glass right here, and it's, like, well whiskey. It's not even, like, a Weller's 107 or anything. Hey, now, a couple Saturdays ago, I got to try out some of that Pink Whitney for the first time, so back off. Okay, and did you down it? Did you actually take a shot, or... I do. Relative, I just drunk. I mean, I drunk up quite a bit of it out of the bottle, so I don't remember the exact size of it, but I do declare this pink Whitney is of the utmost variety. Just the the ominence, just the way that this the pink just coats the glass. It's just when I smell it, I get like notes of molassesy sugar coming out of it, and when I take a sip, when I taste my palate, and I breathe in as I taste, I kind of get like a Almost like a lemony, citrusy flavor. This must be what summers in the South truly are. I always find it funny how that was, and that just happened to be the last time I was in a bar. Could not have timed it any worse. Yep. 
And that's just some fast, fascinating nonsense. That one thing I thought was timed relatively funny was Georgiev being uh, pulled after the first goal of the Rangers Islanders matchup, as if it was convenient, conveniently, conveniently speaking, in the middle in the middle of the game, which I started watching right as that goal occurred, and then saw the rest of the game throughout. And one of the things the commentators were talking about a lot was how they is how the Islanders are good at getting leads and just frustrating their opponents when they sort of back back off their game and just punish you. It was Shesty, not Georgiev. So that's part number one. And part number two, he gave up a goal. It is what it is. Sometimes a Russian wall has a hole in it every now and again. Look what happened in Berlin. It got knocked down after a while too. So they're just taking a little bit longer to rebuild it or whatever it is that's going on in Germany. But either way, Igor played well. He's he's getting more defensive support. Happy about that. But the biggest thing that I'm happy about as a Rangers fan specifically is his development and transition onto the smaller ice. It's kind of tough coming over from Russia. Again, not knowing how to speak the language over here. And again, he does have good help from Pavel and Kreider, especially as a good translator. Um, Panarin. Have, I guess Panarin too. Yeah, yeah Panarin as well. Um, so he has a couple of guys he could be talking to. But the big thing is the way that he plays the puck as well. He understands all of his cues. He knows what to do. And I think Valley Kep brought it up a little bit as well. Um, he's just something else when it comes to playing the, playing the puck. And it kind of reminds me of like a prime Brodeur when he was playing the puck. Just a okay. guy who's confident. Yeah. I wonder how Andy yeah. feels about that. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, he's not exactly a trap merchant, and as far and I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb and say he's not gonna marry or like impregnate his wife's brother's wife. So let's just go ahead and I'm. I mean, I'm really hoping he doesn't, but you know, just saying, he's not exactly. Like I, I understand where you're getting from the play style, but at the same time, I don't know. I would say he reminds me more of like if you like a less or more hybrid, less butterfly, uh, Bobby Lou, in the way that he's like developed in right away into the uh, splash onto scene at his um, young age. Because Luongo like jumped in too quick from the uh, queue, and then it caused him to struggle his first year with the Islanders. Then he goes over to the Panthers and dominates there. So I would say he's starting to look like when Bobby Lou went to the Panthers and had a couple of like semi-professional years in the Island under his belt. That's also what happens when you play for the Islanders. You know, when you're and I guess, the weren't they so weren't they so fixed? I guess, no. When was Steve Pietro drafted? 2000? That was right, 2000. 2000. Yeah, that no, was right. At, That's when Hank was drafted. It was the same draft. Yeah. That was because that was right when they uh, traded Longo. They drafted Rick DiPietro when they could have drafted Hughley or uh, Gabrick. And they're like, nah, why do we want a guy who puts up back to back 50 goal years or a guy who puts up multiple 40 goal years? Nope, we got to go with a goalie who we're going to overpay and keep paying until three decades later. Mm hmm. Very. Bobby Bonilla of hockey. Yeah, these exactly. Yeah, just another just another blue and orange New York team paying players for decades on end. Yeah. All similarities point out very well on that end. 
there's a we got some news in the college hockey realm over the course of the past 24 hours you mean the greatest developmental league for people in north america yeah oh yeah yeah absolutely correct just clarify we got that straight all right Last night, Vermont men's hockey team announced uh, coaching changes to their SMA. Uh, uh, Jeff Hill remains assistant coach, and former NHL defenseman Mark Stewart is joining the team as a volunteer assistant. And one of the and one of the biggest headlines of this was Mike Babcock. Yes, Mike Babcock is joining the team as a volunteer advisor to the coaching staff. The final assistant coaching position has yet to be filled. Gentlemen, personally, I just simply thought this was just interesting. And for a guy like Babcock, who I think personally was one of the most overrated head coaches in the league and simply was good because of the talent he had, this is, this is in, intriguing to see how how he will handle a different position like this, going from head coach to volunteer advise, volunteer advisor of the coaching staff. If I may... I don't know if UVM knows what they're getting themselves into because of all the stories that we've heard about Babcock. I don't know if he's really going to be that great for player development. It's, I mean, well, I don't think they say it's volunteer volunteer advisor, volunteer advisor to the coaching staff. So as I was sort of after mentioning earlier, it's like, well, yeah, yeah, a lot of these stories came out of him as a head coach. Now, what will that be like when he has? a lot less power and I mean you do make a good point of asking does does the team know what they've got them them themselves to I'd say I, I okay maybe or maybe they use this as an opportunity to say hey we're giving you a lower position we'll see if you're any different it's very it's obviously very high gamble high risk here what you're talking about particularly for college age kids if he has a lot of contact with several of these dudes, but yeah, you can you can go ahead. I was just making clear what my distinction was. Yeah, honestly, um, I don't mind the hire just off the fact that, as you as Ian has said, this is someone that's like a volunteer, and he's going to be like um, assisting basically, and he's not exactly he's not going to be like head coaching them, but at the same time to help develop the players. Who's going to know more about developing young players? than someone who's been in the pros, who's worked with, look at all the play, the young players that he's worked with. He, I mean, just in his time with uh, Toronto, he worked with uh, Matthews when he came up. He worked with Nealander when he came up, Captain when he came up, uh, Marner when he came up. Then look at his time out in uh, Detroit. He was working with uh, Nyquist, Tatar, um, Athanasiu. He went through, and even like beyond then, he also like clearly worked with some future Hall of Famers in that's a Zetterberg. Um, he knows what it takes to go that far. And not only that, for like also uh, goaltending, he's worked with a plethora of goalies from the Jimmy Howards and uh, the uh, Freddie Andersons to like backups of Garrett Sparks. And um, I mean, he, he knows like plenty of different positions, plenty of like he has a whole bunch of experience. It can't hurt to have someone that has that much background is just assisting and advising like if it's an, an actual coach then yes it could be a problem but as an advisor never hurts to have huge I was, like a large amount yeah of i was thinking i was sort of thinking the same way of that it's like yeah we're aware 
there's a like at least the three of us are aware of the claims that we all saw in the stories that came forth several right. months ago men but like i was saying earlier head coach versus volunteer advisor specifically to the coaching staff so it like as i've sorry as i've said already a million times it's all a question of power how much is he gonna have is he gonna try stretching too far here or there or what not basically what controls will he have and most important and then most importantly will the players like having him in their environment and i would say i obviously cannot speak for the players but if they see his specifically his angel resume that they have that he that he's got and despite despite how many of us would say he's relatively overrated as a head coach they just simply see that big resume and basically as long as they're if they feel comfortable with him this can prove beneficial exactly yeah i mean that's why i keep thinking the fact that he has so much like knowledge and work with at the highest level i mean he's clearly one and all and he's done so much at the top of the uh at the top of the echelon basically he knows how to develop players the players want to get developed they're going to go to him for like advice he'll show them different ways they're good to go if they don't want his advice and like for whatever reason they don't it's he's just a uh advisor like i said it's not mm-hmm. like he's the actual head coach he's not going to deter players from going there he's he still had he still has a big how do i say this a very intriguing hockey mindset exactly if someone if if someone if a player says goes up to him and sort of asks about a mentality approach or how to how to do x and y on the ice this guy would would i'd imagine would know how to answer a few of these questions naturally regardless of how regardless of how you look at it he still has quite a bit of that that knowledge in his brain no exactly it's something that like you can like put aside your pride and whatever that you don't want like you think that you're better than that but at the same time this is someone that knows so much you wanted like you always want to get advice from people like anyone that you can basically the best players always seek out other like knowledgeable um students of the game so to speak and try and like pick their brain and that's what they want to do and if he's not being beneficial to the team and he's just simply causing a more ne- more negative team environment get rid of him no. yeah yeah, it's no, it's a no cost move. Yeah, especially since he's basically getting paid by Toronto to be be in Burlington. Yeah, exactly. They're so, yeah, they're still on the hook for that huge, uh, that huge contract. I mean, they also did throw a, a third rounder, um, Detroit's way that year, but I think that was the third rounder, right? I mean, that still remains. But I don't remember exactly. Yeah, because I think they used they used to have that ro- uh, rule in place that if you like um, signed a coach from someone else's team, that you had to give up a compensatory pick. But then that they that uh, was taken out either the last two or three years, because now this year that the uh, um, Lindy Ruff is now headed to New Jersey. Uh, exactly the the Devils. 
the Rangers won't get that compensatory pick. And that, was, that would have just been icing on the cake if we got a pick from the Devils in addition to getting rid of Lindy Ruff. That would have just been wild. <laughs> yeah, so close. As aforementioned in that EPM coaching change, coaching change Mark Stewart is, is added to the staff as a volunteer assistant. So you, I, uh, Thrasher's legend in the making, if pretty sure he was there in those years, or hopefully I'm not wrong <laughs> on that. But Stewart, play, Stewart played in Winnipeg when, Wood, when Woodcroft was the assistant there. So this move does not look surprising so much at all. And having watched Stewart play a couple times against my team, he's always seemed like this sturdy, this sturdy guy on the back end that always, he, how do I say this? He looks, he just simply looks like a leader. And the way he would always handle the puck, he would always be comfortable what he's doing for the most part. And would always, and this is a, this is going to be cliche, but there's always that leader that would stick up, go up against the Ovechkins and the Crosbys, and was generally well regarded in the locker room quite a bit. So that's, that is a move I can say for one that I'm a fan of quite a bit. First coach, first coaching gig, I think he's got the personality to, and he's got the right personality to be a great addition to the Catamounts. Yeah, usually, uh, like defensemen would be the type that you'd say you want them to be your uh, coach, coaches. Because they of the fact see that... a lot. They see a lot. Yeah. Well, what yeah, they, especially what they've had to learn in development and over their years playing as a player. No disrespect to forwards, but what defensemen can see, how they can see the ice, and how they can teach younger players and develop other players. It's pretty. We don't, we don't talk about this much yeah, or enough. 108 foot, they play the whole 108 feet. Like they, and they do put in like sometimes on end, like they'll log in almost a half a game just on the ice. Like they put in, they are like, they're physically drained, but so they have to be mentally sharp uh, to be able to conserve their energy and make the right moves. That's why like, yeah, defensemen definitely, they age quicker than forwards. But mm-hmm. it, you definitely see, like, in their minds, they have it on lock, basically. And uh, you probably have also seen the news already, but hockey is currently planning to play right now, play the upcoming season under, of course, numerous protocols and with import, with emphasized priority safety of the players and coaches. So, hope, so hopefully we get to see some action, particularly for the 10 incoming freshmen on, on the team. They include Mickey Burns from the Jersey Hitman, a native of Wayne, New Jersey. Gabe Carrier from, from Waterloo, a, and a Ottawa native. Connor Hutchinson of the Penticton Vs, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. He was, if I'm not mistaken, he was also prep school teammates with Greg Prince at South Kent. He's a native, native of Hicksville. Noah Jordan, a transfer from Miami, native of Toronto. Wim Stahlberg, I need to double check what relation he might have to Victor, but nevertheless, this uh, runs in the family. It's a already a well-known name here in Catamount Country. Another Jersey hitman guy from Gothenburg. Azard Tilling from Hawkeysburg, from Point Claire, Quebec. Dovar Tilling from Hawkeysbury as well, Point, and uh, yeah, native of Pointy Claire, Claire as well. 
Ray Vitalins from Sioux Falls and a Latvian native as well. Will Zabernick from Sherwood Park Crusaders and a Edmonton native. And I had to save, of course, the best for last. Fripois defenseman, Brooke Bannett, native of none else than McLean, freaking Virginia. Played some of his youth days at for the glorious Reston Raiders. We love our Nova natives. Too bad that Alexandria is a better city, but... Uh, look, look, I know Andrew Lucas would agree with you, but mm, nah, it, it gets edged out just a little bit. So it's it's funny. I was talking to one of my old coaches and I was asking him, hey, any chance he played spring high school? Because there's probably a chance we I might have played against them. Maybe, yes, maybe no. But your youth days just come back, just come back right to you in just that miraculous of a way. It's It's incredible. That is... All I have to say, there's nothing else like seeing guys who literally grew up in the same environment as you playing on the big stage of college hockey. Perhaps it's the uh, next UMass upbringing. Who knows? Yeah, as far as Virginia cities, we're also forgetting the legendary Williamsburg. So, I guess Bush Gardens is nearby there. So, can't forget yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, that. we also we also have Carter Long from Hampton Roads. So. That I mean, our roster is going to have three Virginia natives, and then two Nova guys, and then specifically one guy from Reston. Ashburn sucks, by the way, so just had to get that out there. But Andy, if you have such ta- if you have such takes on on the uh, best Virginia cities, do you have a good take up for us for this from this past week? Yes, I do, um, folks. If I've taught you anything, it's this: if you're working from home. Do not use the excuse of, sorry, I got caught in traffic, as to why it took you a while to log in when everyone else was already logged into the group call. It really doesn't go well. <laughs> Try and like be like, ha, 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 I was just playing as a joke, guys. But they still aren't too happy about it. So, <laughs> yeah, take it from uh, my example. Let's just go ahead and show up to that call on time. So you lied. But well, hey, no, there's, hey there's always a lot of traffic on the internet. Yeah, and also going down the stairs, there's plenty of traffic there. I had to get the laundry out of the way and bring it up and then go back down and set up on my computer, then realize that I had to... The dirtier the road is, the more traffic there is. Yeah, then I realized that I had to plug in my internet because for some reason it got disconnected the night before, so I had to go boot up the internet and... Long story short, by the time I got in and got hopped on the uh, Skype call, they were already on bullet point two. Thankfully, bullet point one was just a general overview of recent news, and I was like, well, didn't probably don't write those down anyways. Yeah, You're probably going to want to start drinking yourself to sleep through bullet point one anyway. Yeah. Yeah, considering how they've been. So I go, okay, this is fine. Some slideshows that first general overview, you're like, okay, I don't need to write this down. I just simply need to see it and go into my head. And then the specifics come through. Then we start jit-jotting it down. Incredible. As quick as that. Another thing is, if you're going to test out whether if your uh, egg pan is stick or stick or non-stick, maybe you should probably ask the people you bought it with first. So that it weighs when you decide to not spray any Pam spray onto it to cook your breakfast, you end up spending... 20 minutes scrubbing the pan afterwards. So, 
but now we know. Hey, eggs will, eggs taste a lot better anyways when you just when you got a pan when you got a pan you can just put your spray uh, pan spray on it and then it honestly cook up, cooks up relatively quickly as well. You don't like your eggs extra crispy? If I want them extra crispy, I can just simply leave them on longer, even after even even starting with spraying Pam on the pan. They're not exactly crispy when there's a layer that is going to be crispy and stuck to the bottom. That's what makes it more than worthwhile when you chisel that bad boy out. It's like when SpongeBob chiseled the uh, thing, uh, um, the statue of statue. Yeah. Exactly. He's got to be the marble. You got to be the egg. How about this one? I like to call it bald and brash. More like belongs in the trash. Ah! What the fuck did you just say? And he, did you he's know. on cultures. He's on culture. Wait. I'm not even. I'm gonna go ahead and just, pretend we that can't you even. We can't even continue. We can't even continue yeah, after that anymore. So, yeah, well, fellas, true. I think that is going to wrap things up for this fine week. We are so excited to see hockey games back in session. We will try to maybe be a little bit better on actually discussing some of the games than what we've been normally doing over the course of the past four and a half months. But everything is a working process. You only get better at it unless you try, try, and try it. By the time we come back to you tomorrow, quarter qualifying round will already be underway. Things will get things will get feisty. For, for that sure. is true. And I'll be in a new apartment by then. Just got to mention that. Mm. Now that's uh, a lot. That'll be, that we'll have a lot more, a lot more off the rail episodes per se. Hashtag content. We are looking for it. We are certainly looking forward to it all. We are so glad to be back as always. Hope you enjoy. Everybody enjoys the rest of your day. And as they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. Peace.